0: Well, hey, church, I'm excited to be with you. We're in the middle of our vision series for the upcoming year. And last week we looked at an incredible passage of scripture in the book of Ephesians that talks about God and God's heart for his people, God's heart for the church. And we saw last week that God is building the church. He's making us as a people into a dwelling place for his presence, a dwelling place for the spirit, a home for the Lord and a home for humanity that he's molding us and making us and growing us and putting us together and orchestrating us so that we might be a place where his presence dwells and we might be a home for humanity to come home to the Lord. And it's so exciting that we get to be a part of that. He is the primary builder, but he has given us a meaningful part to play. And we believe that he's building his church, not just at a global level, he's doing that, not just at a historical level, but that he's building his church right here in our midst. That he's building us into a home for the Lord and a home for humanity. The way we say it at Antioch is that we're building, he's building, and we're partnering with him to build a church full of sons and daughters who encounter Jesus, practice his ways, and build his kingdom here in our city, our nation, And the nations of the earth. We want to be sons and daughters because that's what Jesus makes us. He adopts us into God's family, He makes us a part of God's household. And we want to live as people dearly loved by God and in relationship, a spiritual family with one another. We want to encounter Jesus because we believe that Jesus is the bread of life. He's the one that makes life worth living, the one that satisfies our soul. And so we want to be sons and daughters who encounter Him who have a living relationship with him, who walk with him and know him deeply. And we want to practice his ways. We want to follow him. We want to live like him. We want to value what Jesus values because we know as we practice his ways that we begin to experience the abundant life that Jesus has for us. And we'll be a part of building his kingdom. We'll be sons and daughters who encounter Jesus, practice his ways, and build his kingdom because God is at work in the church And he's at work in the world to redeem, to renew, to restore broken lives and broken communities and build lives and build communities and bring restoration to our world to make our world look like and reflect heaven. And we have a part to play in that. So this house that we believe God is building here and that we're called to partner with him in building is a house full of sons and daughters who encounter Jesus, practice his ways, and build his kingdom here in our city, nation, and nations of the earth. And I am so thankful that you are a part of that house. I am so thankful that you are a part of this church family. And last week, we took time to look back over this last year to see the way that God had been at work in our midst as we built together. And last year, we focused, the last school year, we focused on building the proverbial kitchen to extend that home metaphor right the kitchen is a place of serving and last year we did an initiative as a community called prepare the feast which was all about serving and in my house i imagine in your house the kitchen is one of the primary places where we serve every meal someone is cooking the food someone is setting out the drinks and the plates and the silverware and all of that and then once we eat it you gotta take it back and wash and put up and it's a place where we serve it's a place where we practice serving it's a place where we train our kids how to serve and last year was about us as a church learning how to serve becoming servants having a culture shift from uh, Christianity so often in America that's defined by what's in it for me and a consumer mindset to that of Jesus practicing his way and being a people who serve. This year, I want to focus your attention, I want to turn your attention to the room or the part of the house that we believe the Holy Spirit is calling us to build into in the upcoming school year. And I want to do that by turning your attention to Acts chapter 8. Now, I know when you're watching at home, I know it's easy to kind of slip into passive learner mode and just to take it in, I understand. Uh, I've been there, I know what it's like. And uh, I wanna encourage you though, to move from a reclining position to a sitting forward position. And I wanna encourage you to take out your Bibles. I wanna encourage you to get something to write notes with. Here's what I've learned is that people who listen to something, they remember a lot of it, but studies have shown that people who actually take notes remember the important points of what was said. Whereas people who just listen take in a lot of information, the people who take notes catch the important things that are being said. And I believe the Lord has something important for us today. So I want to encourage you to take notes as we go through. Acts chapter 8, let me set the scene for you. This is an account of the early church, the church in the first generation after Jesus ascended to the Father. And this church was in Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, and it was rocking. It was the church that you want to be a part of. They were experiencing the presence of God. They were loving one another. They were in deep relationship. They were marked by joy. People were being saved, healed, delivered, restored. They had favor with people. I mean, it was amazing. Think like Sports Center top 10 list, viral on TikTok. That was the church that you wanted to be a part of. And because God was doing so much in their midst, every time the Lord is advancing his kingdom purposes, right, darkness pushes back. And the enemy orchestrated, the devil orchestrated an incredible persecution that was unleashed upon this church. And that's where we're going to pick up. This persecution is being unleashed through a gentleman named Saul. It says in Acts chapter 8 verse 1, it says, and Saul approved of their killing him. Who's him? Killing Stephen. Stephen was one of the leaders in this early church, and he was martyred for his faith. He was martyred. He was killed for his faith in Jesus, and Saul was behind that. And then it says, on that day after Stephen's death, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. I want you to take note of that word, scattered. It's going to be important. When you read through scripture, so often when the people of God are scattered, it's they're scattered unto being lost. They're scattered unto drifting away. Most of the time in scripture, when you see God's people scattered, you never hear from them again. Right? So often when people are scattered, it's just this, Drifting away. And that was the intent of the persecution. was We're going to break up this good thing that's going. We're going to shut it down. And they're going to be scattered to be lost. But note what happens. This is amazing to me. It says, this, describing the persecution, it says, Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women, putting them... In prison so there's this scattering there's this intense persecution and then in verse 4 it says those who had been scattered there's that word again so let's take note those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went what that means is they were sharing with people about Jesus Philip who was one of these believers who was scattered Philip was down to a city you know, Philip went down to a city in Samaria And proclaim the Messiah there, proclaim Jesus in the city to which he was scattered. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs, meaning the miracles that he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So get the picture. Philip is a part of this amazing church He is scattered with his persecution. He finds himself in Samaria. He finds himself around all these new people. And he realizes there's a window of opportunity that was open to him. He realizes in that moment that he hadn't been scattered to be lost, but he had been scattered for the lost. That it wasn't so much a scattering. Maybe that's what the enemy wanted to do, right? But Philip was, God was using that scattering to send Philip into a new place to people who needed Jesus, who were now before him and in front of him. And as he was sharing about Jesus, people's lives were being transformed. They were being restored. The community was being impacted through Philip stepping in in that moment. He wasn't scattered to be lost. He was scattered on behalf of of the lost. He was actually scattered. What we read is, is he leads these people to Jesus. More people who were scattered do the same and now churches are gathering all around the region in ways that they weren't before. It's amazing and if there was an Ancestry.com of churches and the Christian faith uh, we would trace our lineage back, like if you did the work, we would trace our lineage back to these churches that these believers who had been scattered realized the opportunity, realized the open door that was in front of them, and stepped into. We owe a lot to these believers who seized that moment. And so you might be asking, well, why are you telling me this story? Well, I've been thinking about this passage of Scripture. I believe the Lord put it on my heart this summer. And I've been thinking about us as a community and the churches, particularly in the United States, Uh, that have been scattered with the coronavirus, or we've not been able to do things the way that we are used to doing them. And I thought about these believers, and I know that as they were scattered, I'm sure there were the thoughts of, man, when can we get back to Jerusalem? When can we get back to the way that things were?" Maybe we should just wait it out and we'll just kind of check out for a while. And then when things slow down with the persecution, we'll go back. Maybe some of them were like, hey, we're going back now. We're going to do this thing. I'm sure there was a lot of discussion around that, around wanting to get back to Jerusalem. But it's so amazing to me that these believers didn't get stuck there in a waiting game around things they couldn't control But they realized that the Holy Spirit had opened a door before them in that moment. That there were people who God was wanting to transform their lives. And that as they were scattered, there was an opportunity in front of them. And I think so much as we think about, man, I can't wait to get back to gathering together and worshiping together. And I can't wait for that. I'm really excited about that. But I want to be honest with you. I'm not a scientist. I have no idea how this coronavirus is going to go. I'm not a conspiracy theory person. I don't have a conspiracy theory that you need to hear from me. I, 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 genuinely, I don't know. And I realize that some of you are probably upset that we're not doing more. And some of you are probably upset that we are doing what we're doing. I realize that. And let me be honest with you. You might be right. I don't know but what I do know and what our leadership team knows and what our overseers have worked together for is to present a different perspective and so while we want to get back to the way things were, as soon as it seems wise I want to make sure that we don't miss what I believe the Holy Spirit has for us in this hour and that is this I believe that we have an opportunity in this moment, to be like these believers of old, and in this time of being scattered, that we wouldn't be scattered to be lost, but we would be scattered on behalf of the lost. I have heard so many stories from our church. About you being able to meet neighbors and build relationships with neighbors and co workers and people that you've prayed a long time to be able to connect with. And in this time of scattering, I've heard of so many relationships that have begun. I've heard of so many people say, Man, I've met more neighbors in this time than I have in several years right there's this open door for relationship in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces and on our campuses that is unique and i know that every day we have neighbors we have friends we have coworkers, we have fellow students who wake up and feel like life is against them They feel like fate is against them, that society is against them, that perhaps even God is against them, or maybe at best that he checked out and is disinterested. And the church is against them, or maybe irrelevant. We have friends and neighbors every day waking up with that as their mindset. But you and I know that God is for people we know that god so loved the world that he sent jesus not to condemn the world but to save humanity and we know that the church of jesus christ is for people but my question is for us how will the world know how will your neighbors know how will your coworkers know that god is for them and our church is for them if they don't know that you and I are for them. And as they experience us being for them, I believe their perception or perspective of God and God's heart for them is going to change. And I believe this is important to the Lord, and I believe this is the open door that is in front of us in this season. So this year, as last year our theme was prepare the feast, This year, our theme is for the city. That's what we're going to be focused on is as a community, how can we step into this open door of relationship that is in front of us and by the way that we live, the way that we treat people, the relationships that we build, that people would know that we are for them and people would know that God is for them and people would know that there is a church home that is for them here in our city. So I'm really excited about this. I believe this is a Holy Spirit opportunity. Our staff and our overseers have done an amazing job helping uh, put this plan together, put this initiative together. And I'm really excited for us to step into this as a community over uh, the next 12 months together. Now, for the city has four components or four particular ways that we want to express being for the city and for our neighbors. The first way is that we want to continue to build transformational environments. We have a transformational environment in our Sunday morning service. And whether that is in person, in the parking lot, in the building or online, I don't know. We're actually having an overseer meeting tomorrow night. And I'd encourage you to pray for us for God's wisdom as we try and navigate what is he calling our church to in terms of gathering together. But whether it's online only or in person or on the parking lot, I know that God wants to transform people's lives and that this is a transformational environment for people. And we wanna continue to build a transformational environment for our city with our Sunday morning services. We wanna build transformational environments for our neighborhoods in our life groups. And we want to continue to build transformational environments for the next generation in Antioch kids ministry. So the first focus of being for the city is that we as a community would continue to invest in building transformational environments for our city. The second thing that we're going to be pursuing is we're gonna be building leaders for our city. This summer, As it seemed like the world was on fire in every direction, I went out to one of the places that I go to meet with the Lord. It's a park near my house, and I remember walking in the park and just kind of being overwhelmed at everything that was on fire all around us. And I believe that the gospel is the solution to the problems of humanity, and I believe that God wants to use the church to bring the gospel into the problems of humanity to bring redemption. But as I was thinking about that, I was just overwhelmed that how does one church address all the problems that we're seeing all around us? And it was an overwhelming feeling, and I sensed the Holy Spirit speak to me. I sensed God speak to me and say, there is no way that one church can address all the problems in your city. But what I'm calling you to do is to develop leaders, who I am going to send out into various parts of our city to bring the hope, the healing, and the restoration that's needed. And I sense the Holy Spirit saying this is a unique contribution that our church has to give to our city, is that we would become a place and we would continue to be a place where leaders are developed, leaders for the home, leaders for the church, leaders for the schools, leaders for our city, and that we want to invest in developing leaders. We want to be for our city by developing leaders for our city. Third focus of for the city, third focus is that we would be for our neighbors. And I'm so excited about this one. I'm going to take next week to explain in more detail, more depth on this particular point but we want to be for our neighbors we want to be a blessing to our neighbors and so all year long we're going to be working on building relationships we're going to be working on eating with people and serving people and encouraging people and showing people that we're for them and reflecting god's heart for them that's the third thing is we're going to be for our neighbors by blessing our neighbors and next week i'll explain more what that means fourth Goal, fourth focus of for the city is that we would be for our city by meeting practical needs in our city. That's why we're doing these service projects. We have a service project coming up on the 27th where this is just so cool. Um, in Richardson, Richardson is, is uh, very generous at handing out code violations. I had an older gentleman in my neighborhood, I live in Richardson, who said, hey, if you haven't gotten a code violation in Richardson, you haven't lived here very long. So lots of code violations, and normally it's little things like, hey, you need to paint your curb again with your address on there. But for some people, the code violations that have been brought up uh, are actually big deals because they don't have the resources or the means or the wherewithal as to how to fix them. And so there's a group of people that have appealed to the city for mercy for these code violations that they can't resolve in their own power. And so the city of Richardson has a list of people with outstanding code violations who do not have the means to take care of their house in such a way that it fits within the city code. And these people have asked the city for mercy. And we as a church, I'm really excited about this, are going to be able to take a few names off that list here on the 27th and go out and meet practical needs by helping people solve these code violations to get back into compliance, but as we do that, to demonstrate God's heart for them. Uh, We're running Financial Peace University. I was encouraged here as it's gotten started. It has more people who are not a part of our church than it does people who are a part of our church. That's amazing. We know that finances are a practical need. And we're going to get to be a part of meeting practical needs throughout this year here for our city. So I'm so excited about those things. And so if we go back to the house illustration, if last year was about the kitchen, right, this year is about the front yard. And you might be like, that's a little uh, random seeming, right? But think about it. The front yard of a house communicates the heart of the house. In my neighborhood, if I walk outside, my neighbor right here, he's from Louisiana. He went to LSU. So every time LSU has a football game, he's got his flag flying because that's what he's about. Across the street, there's a New York Jets flag because one of the, the guy that lives there, he's from New York. Down the way, there's a sign that says, you know, vote for every Democrat, straight ballot. If you don't do this, the world is going to fall apart. And just a little bit further, there's a sign that says, vote for every Republican, straight ballot. If you don't do that, the world is going to fall apart. We've got Blue Lives Matter sign over here. We've got Black Lives Sign Matter over here. All of those signs, right? What do they do? They communicate the heart of the house. They communicate to the world what's a priority to that particular house that particular home. You can see houses who have little bikes and swings that you know kids are there. And they have young kids playing in the yard. And then there's some houses uh, that you walk by them and you feel like, you know, that's the Scooby-Doo house. Where you can tell that outside hadn't been taken care of in a long time. And if I'm with my kids, they'll be like, hey, Dad, we feel uncomfortable right here. Can Can we walk faster? Because there's some houses that just seem... Uh, scary from the outside because they haven't been taken care of, right, and that communicates a message to people about what's important to those various houses, and there's this phenomenon that sometimes we can get into, right, is is we can drive into the back of our house, park, go inside, do life in the morning, get back out, drive back out, go to work, and just kind of be about you know, our own lives. I'm sure you've experienced that as well, right? And, and there's some people that put their signs out there communicating the message that they're really passionate about that they think everyone else needs to know, but then they go back in their house and they just talk about how everyone else needs to get to the, with their program, get with their initiative, or, or they go on social media and, and do the same. But there are other houses where you can tell that the people living there have bought lawn chairs and they've done some landscaping. It doesn't have to be fancy, but you can tell, like, they care for their yard. They have some, some plants, right? They, they, they've trimmed, and they have a little fire pit, and you can see, like, oh, this house is different. That The people that live here must be about people in the neighborhood because they've got this stuff in front of their house. And in those houses, you can see parties and barbecues happening and relationships being built. And we want to be that type of house. And so often as believers, so often as Christians, I think that we can slip into being the house where we drive in the back door, we have a great time in the house. We don't drive in the back door, we drive in the back of the house, you come in the back door, you have a great time in the house, right? But we never venture out front. We just drive back out and go about our own way the next day and we leave no real impact or blessing on a neighborhood. Sometimes I think we as believers, as churches, we can can be like the people that just put out the signs saying here's what we think is right. And then going right back to just kind of our little insulated world. And I don't think that's who God is calling us to be. I don't think that's who God is calling you to be. I believe that God is calling us to be the type of house that's built out some landscaping and has some yard chairs and some, some lighting and a little fire pit. And it throws parties in the front of the house and it's a place where the kids of the neighborhood know they can come and play and have a good time it's a place where people in the neighborhood know i can go hang out there those people are for me and i believe that's the type of church that god is calling us to be that's the type of people he's calling us to be and so this year i'm encouraging us i want to lead us our, our staff we're excited our overseer team we're excited about building together with the Lord, the front yard, so to speak, building together the house that the setting at the front of the house that carries and represents the heart of the house, the heart of God. The heart of God is for people. And so we're going to be working together all year through those four things through building transformational environments, developing leaders, blessing our neighbors, and meeting practical needs as ways to express we're being for the city, right? And so as we're thinking about the whole house, the big picture, sons and daughters who encounter Jesus, practice ways, and build his kingdom, last year was about practicing his ways. This for the city is about building his kingdom, expressing his heart to the world around us. And I believe this is the open door that the Holy Spirit has before us. And I want us as a community, like these believers did in the first century church, I want us not so preoccupied with our own worlds, not so preoccupied with getting back to Jerusalem. I want us to realize that maybe we've not been scattered in this season, but maybe we've been sent to our neighborhoods, to our co-workers, to our fellow students in a fresh way. So, uh, The way that if you want to be involved, if you're like, man, I'm fired up, Zach, what do we do? I'm going to pray for us right now because what we need more than any action step right now is we need the empowerment of God's Spirit. I know that we are weak. I know that we are weary. I know this has been very difficult, but I am believing that the Holy Spirit is going to blow afresh on the people of God and empower us to be for this city like never before this year. On October 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, We're going to be doing a three-day church-wide time of prayer and fasting that we could fast and seek the Lord and ask him to fill us afresh that we might pursue these four things this year like never before and express his heart for our city like never before. On October the 4th, on Sunday, October the 4th, we're going to be meeting on the parking lot of our church facility for a time at the end of this time of fasting to pray and to seek the Lord together into this new initiative, this new part of the house that we're going to be building this year. We're gonna be using our kitchen a lot. We're gonna be using the culture of serving that we developed last year to help throw these parties, right, but we're focusing. That's why I have the lawn equipment around us. We're gonna focus this year on building out the front yard so that our front yard communicates the heart of the house, the heart of the Father, that God is for people. And that people would experience that through us being for them. So with with that as kind of a framework, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Jesus, it's mind-blowing that you are for people. And that you love people so much. And God, I pray that in this season, Lord, that you would help all of us. We are weak. We are weary, Lord. But I'm praying that you would fill us with your spirit afresh. And allow us to see the open door that you put in front of us in this season, Lord. And that we would be a people who are for our city, for our neighbors, just like you are, Lord. Would you help us? Would you lead us? Would you guide us, Lord Jesus? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.